The theme for Heritage Month this year is celebrating South Africa's indigenous music, our heritage. Heritage Month in 2022 is putting a spotlight on South Africa's indigenous music, specifically Istatamiya and its contribution in providing entertainment to black South Africans throughout the dark days of colonialism and apartheid, when the country's mainstream social and entertainment amenities were reserved for white South Africans. SAFM celebrates Heritage Month. You are listening to Udo Karlsa on SAFM. 6.38 the time exactly. Now recorded in Johannesburg in 1939, Mbube was a major success for Solomon Linda and the Evening Birds, reportedly selling more than 100,000 copies in South Africa by 1949. Despite the song's later worldwide success, Linda died a poor man in 1962. To shed more light on Solomon Popori Linda's music, how it captured world audiences and its connection to South Africa's heritage, we're joined on the line by Dr. Catherine Olson, lecturer in ethnomusicology, musicology and popular music studies at the University of KwaZulu-Natal's School of the Arts. Catherine, good morning. Um, good morning, Udo. <laughs> what, what a lovely way to uh, kick off uh, Heritage Morning, just with that uh, snippet there from Mbube. But uh, Absolutely. L- l- let's just start. Solomon Linda's early life, and before we get to him working at Gallo Music in, in Johannesburg, his early life, and, and, and what was it that pulled him into music, and what outlet did he have very early on in his life? I think that, you know, it's... It's always difficult to reconstruct somebody's Mm. um, life um, looking back. But from the information that we have, he was born in Pomeroy, which is in in, sort of an area in the heart of Msinga, which is the home of so much uh, traditional music. So he would have been exposed to a lot of the sounds that um, were being part of everyday life mm. the, the the singing the wedding songs and because he went to the gordon memorial school which was a mission school he would also have been exposed to choral music mm. <clears throat> so from his early life I mean, from what we know he actually left um, his hometown like so many people at that time to go to johannesburg simply to find work. Mm. It wasn't to play music. Yeah. Um, and like many others, he became a part of 
a group of singers known as the Evening Birds, and together they made this um, early mm. version of Estratomia. And in many ways, that's a, it was a survival strategy. So you can imagine living in, in, a, in a world of disconnection, mm. and it was through music that he made, could make sense of his, his world. Catherine, we, we also learn then that uh, Solomon mm. was uh, somebody who worked for Gallo Music uh, back in, in those days as, a, as an LP packer, a record packer. D- d- does history know the story of how the record packer was pulled into a studio? Well, again, you know, there are various versions. Some of them probably might be thought of as myths mm. because you know that a lot of people have said he actually didn't work for Gala as a packer that he was actually he worked for a furniture company um, and got that job through somebody who was from his area so um, Adol came to be recognized I think that essentially it was when um, people came into contact like through word of mouth they uh, as I understand it Griffith's Mozziola, mm. who was a producer at yes. Gallo at the time, he encountered um, Solomon Linda, and I don't know the exact circumstances. So, but the fact that he encountered him and was blown away by yeah. his sound and his music and what he was doing, because he was already that um, that group ha- was was changing um, the face of or the sound of choral music. Now, uh, Sorry to interrupt you because I want to reflect on that next and and also through their music. Mm. But just before we go to another piece of music, Catherine, another contested area uh, in terms of of the specifically is just how many copies of that song actually sold. What do we know in terms of sales and, and what do we know in terms of who and where that market existed? Uh, I can't really help you with yeah, that. Yeah, I, yeah. Do, I don't know. I don't know how many. I mean, there there, there are figures, ballpark figures, like 100,000 copies and so on. And, you know, the market would have been the the um, elite mm. part of black society who were, who were buying that music. Because you also have to remember that, that at that time, there was quite a significant division within um, – Zulu society mm. or black society between people who were regarded as and called Amakolwa, uh, people who were mission educated, and the Amadraka, which who were people who were still in the rural area. So there was this distinction. It would be the people who who had a, a higher status, had mission education, who were buying that music and playing it in their homes to their children mm. and in the community generally. And that's where, and, and there was a huge market for, for all sorts of music, not just Solomon Linda, but mm. also many jazz artists as well. Right. Now, before Mbube <clears throat> goes international, <throat> before a part of our heritage is seen abroad, and, and incorporated into the music stylings there. Let's just pay homage to Solomon Linda via a snippet of a song from the group, The Evening Birds, and uh, mm. one that, uh, of course, uh, also helped in putting Istatamia on the map musically, not only in South Africa, yes. but around the world.
Lovely. There we go. Bashaya. Evening birds. That is the uh, snippet of that track there. But Catherine, it, it's so interesting. If if you listen to the music of the Evening Birds, the music of Solomon Linda, you know, in in the pop era, uh, a group like the Bee Gees were credited with introducing that piercing falsetto to really mm-hmm. take the song in, into a different direction. Solomon Linda innovated that and was bringing that to music many many years ago. Yes. Yeah, and there's so many things that you know we we claim or uh, um, belong to specific um, genres or music, but they actually have their sources and other sometimes quite obscure places. And recognition for those obscure places is really what we're about when we're trying to focus on Heritage Month and bringing these things to the fore so that they're part of the consciousness or or the musical sensibility of the nation. Mm. I I want to know... And what is interesting about this Bashaya um, Evening Birds is that it's an indication of the, you know, it says beat them, Bashaya beat them. It's, It's an indication of the the social milieu of Mbubi at that time because it was competition mm. that was driving and, and and making it exciting for people who were marginalized and excluded from any form of, of entertainment in South Africa. So yeah, they were making their own uh, rules, yeah, as it yeah. were. I, I, I was just—I was just going to reflect on that because we have this, I suppose, tendency to think that that it's choral music, so it's happening in a space where we are praying and being solemn. No, that, that was a very competitive mm-hmm. environment for for these entertainers, wasn't it? Yes, very, very, and they loved, they thrived <laughs> on that competition. <laughs> you know, it brought <laughs> status and. Um, a sense of value, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, so competition's l- not always a bad thing. Now, <laughs> Catherine, l- let's begin to reflect now on, on the sound, the, the song Mbube, and how it traveled the globe. But before we have that conversation, we know, the world knows, the lion sleeps tonight. Uncanny how it used that very early composition that, that chorus line, that, that melody of Mbube. And we know of the commercial success. Here's one example of that bit of Mbube being used uh, as exploited by the tokens. In the jungle, the mighty 
So there's the adaptation of Mbube, as used by the tokens in their track, The Lion Sleeps Tonight. And uh, Catherine, yeah, the music does travel abroad. And uh, it begins to, to, to get exploited, pulled into the commercial side of music in, in the U.S. specifically. Uh, who is Alan Lomax in this story? And, and how widely spread was the use of Mbube? Well, Alan Lomax was, uh, as far as I know, again, I'm not 100% sure, but I think he was an archivist. He gathered music from all over. And um, I think that once it became um, available mm. to an international um, space, people uh, saw it as something that had the possibility to um, bring them commercial success. Mm. I think that the saddest part, I mean, there are many sad parts yeah. in the story, but the saddest part for me from a musical point of view is that the essence of Mbubi is lost in that song. Mm. It, it, it has become something else. And if you just think about that for a moment, isn't that what colonialism and apartheid and oppression does to people? It expects them to become something else. Mm. So what I, when I listen to that, it makes it brings tears to my eyes and it chills down my spine because I think that's just the musical indication of what happened historically in this country. Um, yeah, so from a from a there's so many things that are happening in that musical music mm. in that song to make it first of all comprehensible to another market. Yeah. So feeding into the aesthetics of that market, losing the aesthetics of its local space, and making it, um, it, it's like there's absolutely no qualms about, um, how, how, how can I say that, it, it Stripping, stripping for your use. Stripping for your use. But stripping for use, but also othering the source. Mm, mm, I think that's mm. what I'm trying to say. So, you know, the fantasy of the jungle and the lion and everything <laughs> is is the fantasy that was and is still exploited about, about um, local South African environments. So, and it wasn't that that he was singing about. He was singing about the lion, but it, 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 with layered uh, metaphorical references mm. to security. You know, the, when the lion sleeps, you don't have to guard your cattle so so carefully. And many of, of people like Solomon and Linda were, were herd boys, so they, they understood that. But also in the city, when the lion sleeps, the police, the, the, the people who are, are um, monitoring your existence, when they sleep, you can breathe. Dr. Catherine Olsen, lecturer in ethnomusicology, musicology and popular music studies at the University of KwaZulu-Natal's School of Arts.
So there we have the use, and I use the word exploitation loosely, of Mbube in the uh, theatre adaptation, the screen adaptation of the movie The Lion King. We're talking this morning about heritage through music and the life and times of Solomon Linda. We have a fantastic guest on the line to us this morning from the KwaZulu-Natal School of the Arts, uh, ethnomusicologist, musicologist and uh, student of popular music, uh, Dr. Catherine Olson. <sighs> Catherine, once again, wonderful use there of what was the original. But let's reflect now on the really sad side of this. And there's been court case after court case to ensure that the family of Solomon Linda, at least, get some sense of justice, get some sense of reward for the work of their forebear. Many, many years later, can we say that justice has been done? Uh, to some extent, I suppose, because, you know, there have been compensation. There has been some compensation. Mm. But, you know, you can never compensate for many lost years of deprivation you can't mm. you can't go, you can't remake that so yes um how do we make good is maybe what you're saying mm. I, and, and i think that the idea is should be and here i'm being prescriptive yeah. which is not really my job but please but do anyway please do <laughs> <laughs> is that i believe that we need to give value to the source mm. in 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 many ways on many platforms so that if people want to use imbube in um a production like the lion king they should use versions that pay much greater homage to the original music so that because and i come from this ethnomusicological yeah, background yeah. where i see music itself as a discourse it's a form of communication so you can you can only say so much in words mm. but in sounds you appeal to people's bodies to their emotions to their feelings and you can take them back and remember with the proper reverence by actually replicating the formulation that Solomon Linda had for his song, Mbube. Mm, mm. So there, there's how the music world should respect heritage. Absolutely. But then yeah. on, on the other side, and this is the question we were asking our listeners this morning, what, what should mm. South Africa be doing to paying homage and respect to one of its own? And to all the other great icons out there whose music is part of our collective heritage that, that sends the message out about this country to the rest of the world. There's so much that we can do, Udo. I mean, to begin with, if we start thinking, if you think we're in a situation where we've been through um, many traumas over the last few years, and there's a lot of instability and there's a, people are, are anxious and afraid of the future. So what, we, what I think we can do is to use music, just like Solomon Linda did, is to negotiate change through music. We can do the same thing. So if we bring it into a much more visible uh, public platform and celebrate 
the music itself of of the historical um, re resources that we have, but also celebrate the people who are still alive, mm. who are bringing um, the essence of that music to the public space. So I think that um, there's a lot in education, in curricula. We talk about, um, you know, transforming and decolonizing the curriculum at universities. We need to be very creative about how we do that. It's not just simply about running a course um, playing Solomon Linda. It's actually about bringing people who are part of the community, community who are in essence, the experts, far more than I am, mm. of uh, traditional music into the classroom, into visible spaces, so that we have a very active uh, way of dealing with the past and making it an instrument of the present and hopefully something that can bring us a brighter future. Ah, beautiful, beautiful note to end off on. Dr. Catherine Olsen, thank you so much for your time this morning. She's lecturer in ethnomusicology, musicology and popular music studies at the University of KwaZulu-Natal's School of the Arts. And if we don't find to do a way to do what Catherine is saying, as we see here, the replication from one generation to the next, from the evening birds to Ladysmith Black Mambazo, we're not going to have that next step into the generation that we are today. In, in essence, I suppose, if we don't do that, we could be musically homeless. Sing. Homeless, homeless. Moonlight sleeping on a midnight lake Homeless, we homeless We moonlight sleeping on a midnight lake And we are homeless, we are homeless We moonlight sleeping on a midnight lake And we are homeless, homeless, homeless Boom, boom, moonlight sleeping on a Have a terrific rest of your Heritage Day. We'll do it again tomorrow. Udo Karlsson, InfoSeb and Kambule here on uh, The Weekend View. Catch us tomorrow morning between 6 and 7. Goodbye. Kisiyo ya mi, 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 kisiyo ya mi